0: morning, so just let me um, briefly just say we are doing a study of Galatians, which really is a study of Christian freedom and what it means to be free in Christ. And uh, I think, if I'm honest with you, this is a, has become, um, for me, a part of what I feel like God has called me to do with my life, is to preach the gospel of Jesus, which is a gospel of freedom and liberty. And I say that because my concern is that as I look at the wider church, and I don't accuse anybody of, of uh, our walk with God is our thing, and I'm not trying to accuse any other church. I'm just saying this that when I do look at the body of Christ, I often see a legalistic, judgmental group of people that breathe fire and condemnation on others. And I'm not sure that's the place of the church. <laughs> We are called to preach the good news of Jesus, which is that in Christ there's freedom and liberty for everyone, regardless of your background, where you've come from. It's, more, uh, God is more important in saving you into his kingdom and seeing a great f- future for you. Isn't that true? And so I say that just as a, a that's what's motivating me. And so we have been looking uh, over the last couple of months at this wonderful book of freedom, uh, Galatians. And we've looked and seen how Paul has, begin to, has begun to uh, unpack an argument because the Galatians had been convinced by some super-spiritual types. And how many of you know churches can be full of super-spiritual types, all right? People that know better than everybody else, who have some special revelation that no one else has. Well, these guys come into the church from James in Jerusalem, and they visit the church in Antioch, and they come with this thing that nobody else has got, that super spiritual thing, and they say to the church in Antioch, actually Paul's a good guy, but he doesn't really cut it. He doesn't really understand. Uh, He's preaching the gospel to you, but not the fullness of the gospel. The fullness of the gospel is that you really need to become Jewish to enjoy what God has for you as a Christian. That's basically what they are saying. And so Paul makes a point in the first two chapters he defends himself as an apostle sent by God. And then secondly, in chapter 2, he makes it really plain that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus plus nothing. Plus nothing. In other words, you don't add your culture, your race, your uh, education, your intelligence. You don't bring anything to your salvation Your salvation is a gift that comes to you freely by God, and it's available to all. And all we have to do is believe on Jesus, and that pleases God. And we are saved. And that is the good news of Jesus. That is the good news of the gospel. And so we we had a look last week as Paul began to um, give a couple of reasons for his argument. And he said, first of all to them, he said, how did you receive the Holy Spirit? Was it when you heard the law preached to you? Was it when I got up and said, you need to follow the Ten Commandments, you must do this, you must do this, you must wash in a certain way, you must only eat certain foods? He says to them, did you, did you receive the Holy Spirit when that happened? He says, no, of course you didn't. You received the Holy Spirit. The confirmation of my message, the truth of my message, was that you received the Holy Spirit who was poured out upon you, and you all were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that happened as I simply lifted up Jesus, and I preached the cross to you. And as I preached the cross to you, the Holy Spirit fell, and you experienced His blessing. That's the first part of Paul's argument. He's saying... I just want to remind you foolish Galatians that have been bewitched by these people, I want to remind you that you received the Holy Spirit as I preached Christ to you, not as you received the law. That's the first part of his argument. Here this morning, we're going to look at the second. His, his main, if he was a lawyer, this would be his prime example of, of what he's trying to say. And he's going to speak about Abraham this morning. And I'm going to look at Abraham with you as the model believer Abraham was a Christian before Jesus came. Isn't that an amazing thought? There have been Christians before Christ came. And one of them was Abraham. And that's what Paul says directly here in this portion. So look at verse 5 of chapter 3, please. We're going to read it again. It says, Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles amongst you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And I've already enlarged on that this morning. Then he goes on to say, Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, I love this. this, When I first read this many years ago, it absolutely blew my mind, this verse. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, the Scripture preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Wow. (laughs) This is amazing. We are to be a blessing to all the nations of the world, and the gospel was preached before Jesus came to Abraham, who saw it by faith. And through his seed, all the nations of the world have been blessed. What an amazing thing. All right, so we're going to look at that this morning. Um, I tried to encourage you last week to say it's, it is good that we are saved by faith, and that's how we enter. We enter into the kingdom by faith. But I was trying to enlarge on that last week and say "Do you, remember, it's also important how you live. And we live by faith. We walk by faith. Remember the analogy when you're on the first tee of the golf course, it's very impressive to drive the ball straight down the first um, hole, but actually what, what it counts is what you do over 18 holes. Isn't that true? And so I said to you, it's not how you drive, it's how you arrive. Meaning, it is important that we are saved by faith, but how you live by faith is most important as well. I was trying to say to you last week, We don't add morality as we go along. We don't add biblical principles. We don't add a whole lot of stuff. What we do is we walk and put all of our energy into hearing the voice of the Spirit, and the voice of the Spirit says, I want you to do this today. And we obey the voice of the Spirit. That's how we walk by faith. And that's what we put all our effort into, is hearing the voice of God on a daily basis so that we can hear His voice and walk By faith. All right. And so here Paul says that the model of a Christian, if you like, the prototype is is Abraham. He was the first one that was saved by believing the promise of God. He was saved by faith. And Paul goes on to say, is that all Christians are children of Abraham and that all Christians are declared righteous and that the technical theological word is justified. When you see that word justified or justification, just think of it like this. Justification equals acceptance. God accepts me. That's what it means to be justified. He accepts me. And um, I believe there were other people before Abraham that were accepted by God. I, I think possibly, probably Adam was, but I'm absolutely convinced that Abel was, that Noah was, that Enoch was, all of them, they, were, they pleased God, they lived by faith, and uh, they were acceptable to God. But what makes Abraham a special case for us is that there's a promise associated with Abraham that we read of for the first time, and that says, through your seed, through your offspring, the gen- all the nations of the world will be blessed, and that sets him apart from those other people that I've mentioned. And this statement concerning acceptance is associated with Abraham. Like it's not associated with anyone else. It says, uh, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And that's very important. And why is it very important? Because like I've said to you, Abraham is the model. He is is the prototype Christian. So if he is the prototype Christian, we really should understand how he came to believe and what he did. Because that's going to help us as we think about salvation and what it means to be saved. And so... This um, idea, Paul uses this idea in Galatians to support his teaching that we are acceptable to God or justified by faith in Christ and nothing else. Okay? That's what he uses. And so I want to say to you, it's really important that we grasp that because it's the most basic way that you and I can understand and think about salvation. And in this sense, we need to talk about acceptance be- before we talk about being born again. Are you with me? Because being born again, salvation, is a gift that God bestows on us lavishly without um, taking it back. But he lavishes that gift on us because we are accepted. He accepts us. And so in that sense, we speak about justification before we speak about um, being born again. And we are accepted because we believe by faith. And that is it. And this is the glory of the gospel. So that's the first thing. Paul uses this idea to support his very um, um, strong teaching that we are saved by believing in Jesus and nothing else. And then secondly, when we are accepted by God, that gives us a covering righteousness. I want to call it a covering righteousness. This is what I mean. Um, I said to you last week that it takes hard work to live a Christian life. It takes a lot of effort to live a godly life. But I said to you, our effort goes into hearing the voice of God, not following the rules. But it does take effort. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know what I'm saying. It's not easy just to walk through every day hearing the voice of God and being obedient. Who would say it's really easy to do that? <laughs> it's, it requires effort. It requires some discipline and, and, and putting the Word of God into practice. Um, and in that sense... You and I will never be perfectly righteous in this life. Hear what I'm saying? We'll never be perfectly righteous in this life because of our own righteousness. Are you with me? We will never be perfectly righteous in this life because of our own righteousness. The righteousness that God gives us when we believe in Jesus... It's got nothing to do with us at all. And in that sense, it is a covering righteousness. It is a righteousness that is credited to us, and it is not our righteousness. It is the righteousness of Jesus that is credited to us. And here's a little illustration for you to to try and uh, um, illustrate what I'm saying. The other day, a couple of months ago, I, I had a check for 100 pounds, so I went to my local Lloyd's Bank, And I deposited my check into my account. And I walked home. And as I was walking home, I have a little app on my phone where I can check my balance. So I thought, oh, I'll just check that they put the money in correctly. And I checked my balance. And my balance was 10,000 pounds more than what it was before I went to the bank. And I said, oh, God, someone's blessed me. This is wonderful. 10 grand. Oh, dear. Full stop does make a big difference when you um, put your money into the account, doesn't it? And so what had happened, obviously, the teller had been a little bit careless, and instead of putting 100 dot zero, zero, they had forgotten the dot and just put all the zeros in. 10,000 pounds was credited to me. It was not mine. Yes? It was not mine. It was not my money. Unfortunately, I had to go back to the teller and say, you have made a mistake, lady. Please, can you change my And of course she thanked me because um, at the end of the day she would have had to account for that money. All right, But that's the same thing as a covering righteousness. When God credits us with the righteousness of Jesus, it has nothing to do with our righteousness. It is entirely His righteousness that is credited to our account. And so that's why we say when you believe by faith in Jesus, He sees Christ's righteousness in your life. He doesn't see your unrighteousness. Are you with me? And over the period of your life, as you walk by the Spirit, what starts to happen is that your life begins to conform to what has already been credited to you by God. You get it? So as we walk by the Spirit and we learn to become patient and kind and less angry and less fighting with people because those are all fruits of the Spirit, what is actually happening is our lives are beginning to conform to what Jesus has already bestowed upon us, His righteousness. Amen. This is what it means to walk by the Spirit. This is what it means to have a covering righteousness on your life. Now, there is a movement at the moment in the church called the hyper-grace movement, which teaches this, which is false. It teaches that you don't have to confess your sin, that you are already perfect in this world. And so people who believe this theology don't like 1 John. They don't like Hebrews. They just ignore those portions of the Bible because they speak about sin. And they speak about if you do not confess your sin to one another, you're lying. And so they don't like those scriptures, and they leave them out. And what it does, in a very simple way, it confuses a very basic theological thing that I've just tried to illustrate to you. We are not perfect of our own righteousness on this earth. We are not. We have a covering righteousness that is gifted to us. It is the fullness of the righteousness of Christ. And when Jesus looks at you, he sees Jesus. When God looks at you, he sees the perfection of Jesus. Even though you and I know that inside of our lives and in our hearts and day to day, we still wrestle with things. We still have anger problems. We still, I still get angry with my kids and, and uh, Helen. I do. I do. Does that mean I'm not saved? Of course it doesn't mean I'm not saved. Do I have to say sorry to Helen? Absolutely I have to say sorry to Helen. I mean, that's just madness. How do you think you can have a relationship with someone without saying sorry? It's madness. Do we need to say sorry to God? Yes, we do need to say sorry to God. Not because it changes what He does, but our relationship with Him then begins to flow in a different way. That's why... And so we have this covering righteousness, this beautiful thing that God gifts to us, the perfect righteousness of Jesus, and, uh, and we begin to walk by the Spirit, and we learn, as we learn over the whole course of our lives, we learn that our lives have been conformed to the, what has been God's gift to us all along. And any uh, vestige, any leftover of unrighteousness is dealt with completely when I go to gro- glory. When I die, or if Jesus comes back before I die, when I'm in heaven, there will be no sin. That last little part of me that tends towards sin is going to be dealt with completely. And then I will have a righteousness of my own in glory. Not before. Man, this is very important. Very, very important because it brings reality to our lives. It liberates us just to live freely and to walk by the Spirit without getting beaten up and condemned all the time. As we realize this very, very simple thing that there's a gift that is given to us the full righteousness of Christ. It covers our lives completely. That's why Jesus is called the Lord of righteousness. And He bestows that freely upon us. And we live free, we walk by the Spirit. And why is it so important to make it clear? Because Abraham was realized that. And Abraham is our model. He's the one that was a Christian before Jesus came. And so I want to point you to a couple of things about um, Abraham to remind you and to bring some detail to what I'm saying. Remember this. When Abraham was justified, when he was accepted by God, he was not godly. How many people don't come to faith because they say, I feel so unworthy. I feel like I'm a sinner and I can't can't believe that God would want to just give that gift to me. Well, here's the thing. Abraham, our father in the faith, was not a particularly godly man when God accepted him by faith. He was a pagan. He was a moon worshiper. He worshipped the stars. He wasn't even looking... For God. In fact, it was as one night he was worshipping the stars that God said to him, said, I am going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars that you see in the sky. And it says, Abraham believed God in that moment. He believed by faith that what God was saying was true. And in that moment, God accepted him and said, you are acceptable to me. Just by faith. So, you might be here this morning You might say, I don't feel particularly good or righteous. And I want to say to you, that doesn't disqualify you. (laughs) Why? Because it didn't disqualify Abraham. And that's why my personal conviction is once you are saved, you are never unsaved. God does not take Christ's covering righteousness away from you just because you behave badly one day and you blow it. (laughs) No, he doesn't. He's not fickle. He, and, and I was saying to Helen last night, he's already given it to you a gift when you were, when you were not particularly looking for him and, and not godly like he did to Abraham. Why would he take it back when you behave badly? It doesn't make any sense at all. He's already given it to you while you were dead in your sins. Why, why, why would he then take it back and say, well, if you don't, don't behave well, I'm going to take it back. (laughs) He's already given it to you as a gift. Freely. So, Abraham was not particularly godly. And when we come to faith, I don't know about you, but I wasn't particularly godly when I came to faith either. (laughs) And that's the beauty of the gospel. That's the wonder of the gospel. While we were still dead in our sin, Christ loved us. Amen. Secondly, uh, this, this also, when I was thinking this week, this really floored me. Abraham was not a Jew when he got saved. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> he wasn't Jewish. He was a pagan. And so from the very beginning, God's heart has always been that he wants to save everyone, regardless whether you are a Jew, a Greek, Whatever your background, we are not saved because of our nationality or our race. We are saved because God loves us. That's it. Thirdly, when Abraham was saved, when he was justified, when God said, you're acceptable to me because you believe the promise that I've spoken into your life, he was not circumcised. Yes? He was not circumcised. He was a pagan. He was not baptized either. <laughs> There are whole movements of of, of churches that say, you must be baptized. If you're not baptized, you're not saved. I want to say to you, it's wonderful to be baptized. It is a sign of your salvation. It doesn't save you. You're not saved by being baptized. You are saved by believing by faith in the promise of God in Jesus. That's what saves you. Nothing else. So then we have to ask the question... What did Abraham have that resulted in him being accepted as righteous before God? And simply the answer is, he had nothing (laughs) except that he believed the promise of God. That's what he had. And the promise of God was concerning his descendants and his seed. And we know that the seed that came through Abraham's life in the end was the person of Jesus. And all Abraham did was believe the promise that God had given. And so that's exactly Paul's teaching in Galatians. That is, that's exactly Paul's, um, that is going at pains to say to the Galatians, we are made acceptable, we are justified by, to God simply believing by believing the promise of God and nothing else is necessary. Nothing else makes a contribution towards us being acceptable. It is entirely the righteousness of Christ, the covering righteousness of Christ, which is a gift to us, which comes by faith in Jesus. That's what makes us acceptable. And the rest of our lives, as we walk by faith, we are simply learning that our lives need to conform to what is already God's gift to us in the person of Jesus. That is so freeing. That is so liberating. It's wonderful. This is the gospel of Jesus. And so he says, I'm I'm, uh, coming into land now. He says, um, true children of God are those who have been declared righteous in the same way. That's what he's saying. That's what Paul says in verse 7. Know then, it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. So all Christians that believe by faith in the promise of Jesus are sons of, of Abraham, I, I've said this before, but I grew up in the Methodist church, and we had a little song that we used to sing in Sunday school, Father Abraham had many sons, did you, did you use that song, sons had Father Abraham, and we'd march around, I'm one of them, and you are two, all we'll point to each other, and we go marching on, yeah, and it's a wonderful song, isn't it, why, because it really, it's deep theology that, we, that we're telling our kids, I am a son of Abraham. I believe in the same promise that was promised to Abraham. Through the seed of Jesus, all nations will be blessed. I believe my faith in the same way that Abraham believed my faith. Sing that song to yourself this week. Yes, encourage yourself. And this is what I, um, as I conclude, this is what I really, uh, I said at the beginning, has always astounded me. This message of covering righteousness, this message of the gift that is in Jesus, this perfect righteousness that we received, has always been available. Isn't that amazing? It didn't just start when Jesus came. It's always been available. And and Abraham was one of the people that saw by faith, he saw the promise that was to come. Man, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Thousands of years before Jesus came, Abraham understood that salvation was going to come by believing God by faith and nothing else. What an amazing thing. And so... I love that. Verse 8 says, The Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you all nations shall be blessed. And so I want to say this to you. Before Jesus came, people were always looking forward to the Savior, weren't they? That's what they were anticipating. There was a Savior that was going to come. But the way of salvation has always been the same. From Abraham's son, the way of salvation is believing in the promise of God by faith. And the promise of God came in its fullness in the person of Jesus. So when you believe in Jesus, you're putting your your trust in the same thing that Abraham trusted in. The promise of God, which is in Jesus. Amen. And lastly, I want to say this. And then we're going to sing that song again, because it's a great song. Yeah, we can sing Father Abraham as well. Can you just uh, see this? Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm asking you a question in terms of your own life and the authority of God that the Scripture has through th- th- into your own life. Do you notice that Paul has a very high view of Scripture? Because he says the Scripture foresaw that God would justify by faith. I was just thinking this week, in Abraham's time, there was no Scripture. There's nothing written down. So why does Paul say the Scripture foresaw when there wasn't any Scripture in Abraham's day? Well, I believe it's because Paul and the other apostles had such a high view of Scripture that they would say when Scripture speaks, it's the same as God speaking. And I put a question to you this morning. What view of the Scripture do you have in your own life? Is this, when you read the Word, is it really God speaking to you, or is it like, oh, well, I'll consider this, and I think, you know, the Bible says this, but you know, my teacher at school says this, and uh, someone else says this, and I'll just weigh all of these options and whatever I consider to be of most worth, uh, that's what I'll take. You know, the, the, the church fathers, the apostles, they had a high view of Scripture, And I want to put it to you in our generation, the high view of Scripture that we've enjoyed for many centuries is being undermined by people who say, actually, there's all sorts of options we need to consider. I'm asking you, do you have a high view of Scripture in your life? When you read the Word, how does it respond? How do you respond to it? Is it like, well, God, you're saying this, I'll do it? Or is it like, "Mm, I'll think about it, I'll consider? Yeah? We need to have a high view of Scripture. And certainly in this church, we want to have a higher view of Scripture, that when the Scripture is preached, God is speaking to us. And we hear, regardless of the vessel, I'm messed up, you know that, I'm, I'm all bent out of shape like many of you. It's not the vessel, it's not, it's, not the, it's not the vessel, these are clay earthen vessels, it's the Word in us that we respond to. It's the Word of God that we respond to. Yes? Amen. So, in conclusion... Everything that Paul wants us to understand about what it means to be accepted by God was present in Abraham's day. The basis of our salvation, what it means to be saved, that we are acceptable to God, or the theological word justified, is based on God's promise to us in Jesus. And that promise was seen even by Abraham. And this amazing promise is for every nation of the world. And from the very beginning... God always intended it to be for every nation of the world, not just for the Jews. Abraham was our model. Abraham was the one that was the prototype that came before everyone else. And uh, this verse nine confirms that that this is true for everyone, Jew or Gentile, who believes by faith. So then, who are of faith? Those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And so we are we are accepted by God purely by believing the promise of God in Jesus. And nothing else is necessary. And so I would like to have a look in the next couple of weeks, because if you, if you have been in this church for a while, or if you've read your Bible, you will know that there's a thing called the law. <laughs> well, how does the law fit in? Why did God complicate stuff by giving a whole lot of things to Moses and saying the people must obey these? If it was always by faith... Where does the law fit in? How does the law fit in? And we're going to look at that in the next couple of weeks. All right? Amen. But let's pray. And I'm going to ask um, Clive to come and lead us. We're going to sing about grace and mercy. He's feasting at the table. Amen? Where's our bass player and the drummer? they are gone out. I want to say this. I don't, I don't know all of you here this morning. If there's anyone here who doesn't know Jesus in the way that I've described. If there's anyone here that feels like they have to clean their lives up to be acceptable by God, to God, I want to remind you one more time that we believe by faith in Jesus and that is the promise to us. And as we believe by faith, God extends a gift to us called salvation. And in a moment, we are born again, and what is dead inside of our lives comes alive by the power of the Spirit. That's all it takes. We are saved by grace through faith. If there's anyone here this morning, I'm going to ask you if you want to respond to what I've just said. I'm going to pray. I want you to pray this prayer in your heart after me, and I want you to come and speak, speak with me afterwards or one of the prayer team, and we, we will just minister together, we'll minister to you. All right? But let's just pray. Father, we want to thank you for this amazing gift of salvation. We want to thank you, Lord, that it is um, a free gift. We want to thank you that you give it to us and you never take it back from us. We thank you, Lord, that this gift comes to us simply as we believe in your promise, the fullness of your promise, which was in Jesus. And your promise is, is, is that as we believe in Christ, you wash us and take our sin away from us and cleanse our conscience so that we can live free before you. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray right now that you'd remind us all of that. And I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that, they, that doesn't, hasn't realized that they would know it's true for the first time this morning. And so, Lord, we pray, I pray, that as we open our hearts to you, those things that are hidden in the dark place, we thank you that you see them and you forgive us for them And you cover us with a righteousness that is not our own. It is Jesus' righteousness that you see. And we celebrate that this morning. In Jesus' name. We thank you for salvation. We thank you that you are transforming us to be more and more like your Son. And we rejoice this morning. And as we stand to worship now, Lord, I pray you'd seal this message in in our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.